0: Welcome back to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We are in the book of Deuteronomy, almost through with it, to chapter 29. We are basically, it seems, going over the different commandments and the journey that the people took, the congregation, the children of Israel, as they're identified in the narrative, as they made their way from enslavement in Africa, from Egypt, to where they are now, in what's modern day um the area around modern day uh Jordan that country west on the east side of the Jordan River it's the same river in modern times and uh, headed toward the west side to what they're calling the promised land but was what was already called Canaan by people who lived there and was what is since has since then been called um different things um in modern times it's called palestine and also called israel that's where they're headed towards and the only thing holding them back from it or separating them from it is the jordan river at this point in the narrative so all that being said let's pick up with verse one of chapter 29 in deuteronomy that's the fifth book in the old testament of the bible um Uh, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. So if you read how that's written, that makes it seems pretty clear to me that this was added later. This isn't Moses saying these are the words that the Lord gave me for you to follow in the land of Moab. No, this is someone retrospectively who added this is saying as, as saying that these are the words that Moses was given to the people. Because if, if it were Moses just speaking it firsthand, it would be said a different way. So it's clearly someone who has documented this, or at least looked back on this and added this as a, a as part of the narrative. Who? I don't know. My guess would be religion. Um, but it's going over the different commandments that Moses had given to the people saying they were from the Lord. And if you notice in the last few chapters, it doesn't say uh, then Moses said or God said to Moses, it doesn't say that at all. It's going over the different things that Moses had said. So it's speaking it in a different way. And it's subtle, but it is different. And I think that if you um, overlook those sort of subtleties, you fall into the trap of religion and believing that all of this was said at once, or all of this said by Moses. It clearly wasn't. Even Jesus in the Bible, in the New Testament, lets us know parts of what the people are following, and that they attribute to Moses, weren't all Moses' words. Um, But so verse 1 is just giving us basically that that, um, setup of what's being said, who they're saying said it, and who it's being said to verse 2. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, you've seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. So see it's very clear there that it's not Moses again. It's not Moses saying that he called the people together and said this. Instead it's saying it in the narrative form of then Moses said this, then Moses called all the Israel. It's not Moses saying, then I called all the people together and gave them the message that the Lord said. So clearly there's another hand in this um, narrative, even if it's just someone who scribed it, written it down and passed it along. It's not a first hand. So um, in this chapter or in the, some of the previous chapters, and I dare say in much of Deuteronomy, it's not a first-hand account of Moses saying, and then I said this, and then Moses, and then the Lord told me that. It's hardly ever, if ever, even written that way. So the way it's written provides us clues as to who it is who's actually telling the story. But um, so Moses has um, assembled the people together, and he's given them um, the commandments that they're to follow once they do cross over the Jordan River to um, the Promised Land. And so they're being reminded here of the different events that happened along the way from their emancipation, the Exodus story, um, to where they are now. Verse 3, the great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. So uh, when they were rescued rescued from enslavement in Africa, they were rescued with um, those different signs and wonders. The plagues that um, were sent on the people, the frogs, the locusts, and then also the wonders like the Red Sea being parted and the people being... uh, told to um, worship a snake wrapped around a pole not even worship it look to that for help and seek that carved image for help even though they were also given the command previously don't have any carved images any idols so to speak and so there are contradictions throughout the story so far so those inconsistencies make it almost certainly to not be from God Almighty but instead again just religion verse four yet the lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day so now it's, it's now the people are sort of being reprimanded for being hard-hearted that even though they've witnessed all those different signs and wonders and rescue even they still are uh basically faithless unfaithful i guess would be a better word to um the entities carrying them through um, the wilderness for the 40 years and now to the gates of their promised land. Verse 5, and I've led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. So now this seems to sound like a first person um, account. It sounds like Moses speaking directly to the people. So most likely this chapter is maybe Joshua maybe someone else some someone else who scribed it wrote it is letting us know that this is what Moses said firsthand to the people at this point in the story even if it's not Moses who actually wrote this chapter if that makes sense to you it's the same way how the first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses the, um, the Septuagint I think it's how it's pronounced but um, it's uh, they're called that, but they're not all written by Moses. We know they couldn't have all couldn't have all been written by Moses because Moses is dead at one point, and yet the narrative continues. So how is Moses? Moses? We're almost to that point in the story, so I won't get ahead of ourselves. Let's just pick up where we are, where we're just where we're at now. So the forty years is what what the people were sentenced to for their previous unfaithfulness. They were sentenced to wander forty years through um, the wilderness the desert, the Middle East to this promised land part because of their um, repeated unfaithfulness to the religion, not even necessarily to the religion, to the entity, the deity guiding them through um, their, their through their emancipation and I say deity because if you've read with me before, you know the word Lord is not the original word, it's translated from Um, different names attributed to God or at least to the Lord I should say Um, but not all consistently one name. Sometimes it's Jehovah sometimes it's El sometimes it's uh, other words other names throughout the Old Testament that are all called Lord by the people at that time but again and again it seems less and less likely that it's actually Lord the Lord God Almighty speaking at all these different times mostly because of the inconsistencies uh if uh, if uh, why would the Lord be inconsistent and constantly changing and shifting what it is the Lord would have us know or follow and then expect us to be faithful to it or even expect the people at that time to be faithful to it how would you know what to be faithful to if it keeps changing? verse 6 you've not eaten bread nor have you drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I'm the Lord your god so um that's making it clear that the people have um not been just feasting along the way as they've been traveling those 40 years the people as in the common people the religious people have been eating good they've been getting the people to donate to them as sacrifices offerings to the quote unquote Lord, but the people who are getting them are people, humans, that's who's getting them and it's not just um um manna that the people are eating, they're getting flour, so they're getting bread, they uh are getting wine because people are donating are required to also donate and offer sacrifice wine. And also all sorts of livestock. So uh, they've been having barbecues along the way also. So the people may not be enjoying all of those things. But the religious leaders who are gui- who are guiding them or at least ruling over them are. So you can imagine what kind of feelings those would set up among. What kind of dynamic that was set up among the congregation. Verse 7. And when you came to this place, short King Sihon, excuse me, King of Heshbon and Og King of Bashan came out against us. To battle and we conquered them. So it seems to keep reviewing back the journeys. That's what the last few chapters and much of Deuteronomy seems to be about. Constantly reminding the people of where they were, so that they don't forget they were slaves, they were enslaved people, and not to forget that. And it's even said that verbatim, don't forget you were slaves. And so they're constantly again and again reminded the different struggles they had to face on their way to emancipation and at this point um, those two kingdoms, kings and kingdoms are people they encountered along the way to where they are now Um, at this point in the story that Og and uh, Sihon and as always please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these things verse 8 we took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. So they're admitting there that that's what happened. They took the land. That's the same thing that happened in America. Um, There were people here before the colonizers got here, but just like we're reading now in Deuteronomy, there were people there also, and they took their land. They went in and massacred the people. According to their religious narrative, the Lord told them to do that, after the Lord told them, "Thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal," but now they're being—they were given the command to go in and kill and steal, take the land from the people who lived there, occupying it and colonizing it in modern terms, and um, all sorts of other atrocities were—they um, were given permission to do, even told to do, commanded to do, whether it was enslaving other people, even though they themselves are former enslaved people, they've been given the commandments on enslaving other people, commandments on uh, rape, commandments on uh, property things, on the boundaries, not to move boundary lines, and yet told to steal other people's land and take it as their own. So inconsistencies, inconsistencies like that, to me, make it impossible to be actually from the Lord God Almighty. It may indeed be work of whoever was being identified or worshiped as the lord by the people who are documenting this but it seems almost certainly impossible to be from a god almighty who would see every human as equal it it just doesn't make sense and verse 9 therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do so the people are being admonished to make sure they are faithful to the different commandments being given to them the words of the covenant, as it's called, and uh, the words of the covenant keep changing. Originally, there were just the ten commandments that were given um, to Moses, and then suddenly all these statutes arrived. But even before Moses, earlier on in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, for instance, other commandments were issued. um One, the vegetarian diet, like we mentioned before, in the very first book of the very first chapter of in the Bible, it uh, gives uh, orders that we're to eat every green herb that that's what we're to have for food um a vegetarian diet in modern terms but then again it quickly shifted to a whole other different diet again and again and again the diet changes and changes and changes so it's um it's again inconsistent so if it's inconsistent it doesn't seem likely that the lord god almighty would be inconsistent in things like that things that later on according to jesus are insignificant and life is more than food and the body is more than clothing, Jesus tells us in the book of Luke. So that we shouldn't focus on what should you eat, what should you drink, what should you wear. And yet you see here we've read again and again this religion requires you to consider what you're eating, consider what you're drinking, even consider what you're wearing. Has to have tassels on it. Uh, There has to be a blue cord in the tassels uh, and all sorts of other things like that. You can't mix fabric. So if you mix silk and cotton or polyester and linen or cotton and wool, if you mix those different things, it's considered an abomination. It's considered sin, in other words. So, again, inconsistencies that seem to me to point to the likelihood that it's just religion. It's not God Almighty at all, but it is religion and who the people are calling their god or at least being told is their god giving those orders verse 10 all of you stand today before the lord your god your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers all the men of israel so um moses is uh, addressing the people again and notice again it's the men that are being addressed um patriarchy in other words um For instance, when the census was counted, it was the men of a certain age who were counted, not the women, not the children, the men. So that, again, doesn't sound like it would be from God Almighty, who creates both male and female, according to Genesis. The very first creations were created, both male and female. It didn't say created men and women. It says they were created Male and female, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So um, very different from saying subtle, but different from saying men and women he created, or males and females he created. No, it didn't say that. It says, in the image of God, he created them. Male, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So um, that, again, points to what we would call hermaphrodites or uh, intersex people but it gets hijacked by religion to uh, for people to believe other things that aren't even written there uh, but it is where we're at so it keeps shifting and it keeps changing from what it was originally and now you see in modern times people do silly crap like um, uh, that Marge woman saying marriage should be is supposed to be one man and one woman according to the Bible it doesn't say that in the Bible so far at all in fact the patriarchs had several wives all the way back to Genesis it wasn't uh, one man and one woman so it just doesn't make sense for people to keep buying into bad religion and thump a Bible while they ignore what it actually says and yet you see that's exactly what happens verse 11 your little ones and your wives also the stranger who is in your camp from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water so now not just the men are being addressed but also the women and the um servants everyone the children also verse 12 that you may enter into covenant with the lord your god and into his oath which the lord your god makes with you today so the covenant those uh, the covenant is just like a a contract it's like a marriage contract or a business contract it's an agreement so Moses is telling the people that they have a contract with the Lord and the terms of that contract and just to see where we're at Lord uh, is still being translated from the word or name Jehovah and God is still being translated from the word Elohim um in this verse so far um just so you know for a side note um so they're being told this is the contract between them and the Lord verse 13 that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be God to you just as he's spoken to you and just as he's sworn to your fathers to Abraham Isaac and Jacob so um Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are those same forefathers, patriarchs that I was just mentioning to you before. Um, And they're also the same people who broke a lot of these different covenants and commandments that were given to the people subsequently, the uh, people who uh, Moses is addressing now. Things like you aren't supposed to marry your sister. Things like you aren't supposed to, um, uh, I mean, that one is like a major one, um, but it's one that they did and worked. Uh, reprimanded for by God at all um, marrying their sisters was a common thing it seems and again it wasn't condemned at all until now with the congregation that's entering uh, the promised land so if God Almighty is the same yesterday, today and forever why didn't the Lord call it out the first time it happened so that people would in, uh, subsequently look at it and say oh well we can't do that that's considered sin no didn't do that at all it wasn't considered sin until later Um, but that's what's happening now they're being reminded of their forefathers the patriarchs and that the different covenant that was made with them covenants that were made with them verse 14 I make this covenant and this oath oath, not with you alone so now the contract is to be extended not just to the people um, there but also others let's see who the others are verse 15 but with him who stands here With us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. So now it seems to be talking um, prospectively, like future, looking ahead to other generations and other people. That the contract is not only with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who preceded the congregation who are here at this moment in the narrative, but also the people standing there before Moses then, and also uh, it seems other people who aren't there with them at that moment verse 16 for you know that we dwelt in the land of egypt and then we came through the nations which you passed by so this is parenthetical it's um this verse is so it's sort of reminding them of the journey again of where they um as they've gone through the wilderness for the 40 years um and the people they encountered along the way verse 17 and you saw their abominations and their idols which were among them wood and stone and silver and gold so that's uh, again another inconsistency yes those other people had what these people are calling idols um, but um, they're, they've been told again to set up uh, at least one uh, metal idol for themselves that um, Nehushtan is the proper name of it and it comes up again. The people were still worshiping that snake on a pole even later on into the Bible. Um, beyond the first five books, the people were still worshiping that. And it wasn't until much later that um, that image, that cast uh, cast image was destroyed. I think it was made out of brass, if I remember right. Um, but here they're being told that those are abominations and that they're idols and that they aren't supposed to be worshipping those Um, yet according to the narrative it was the Lord who told them to make that um, cast snake around a pole Um, and also they're being taught, they're referencing abominations, one of the abominations is that the the men having sex with or marrying as they call it their sisters Um, again it's called an abomination yet it's exactly what those same forefathers who we just talked about did Verse 18, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. So, when it's talking about the bearing a uh, root bearing bitterness or wormwood, a uh, wormwood is um, poisonous and it's translated to the modern word Chernobyl, so you know what's related to that. Uh, or you know what that's associated with radiation and uh, nuclear stuff and poison toxin that's what it's actually i believe it's talking about um wormwood historically is a root that um can be used as a poison so what it's being talked about here is that so that something evil doesn't sprout up out of their roots out of um, some evil seed that they planted in being unfaithful doesn't turn into a crop of wickedness that they have to deal with. Stay faithful to the different commandments that are being laid out, even though they keep shifting. Verse 19 And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. So um, when it says dictates, that's also translated to the word stubbornness. It's saying so that people won't say, oh, well, even though I'm not being faithful to these different commandments, um, that I'm still going to be okay, I'm still going to be blessed, even though you're actually being stubborn and hard-headed. And like I said, the commandments keep shifting, so how would you know which ones to even be faithful to? Um, but the people are being told to stay faithful to the covenant, so that they don't end up reaping something horrible, and so that and so and that they should not fool themselves to think that they're still going to be counted as part of the congregation any more than a drunk person would be considered sober or counted with sober people, since it'd be obvious that they aren't verse twenty, the Lord would not spare him. For then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man. And every curse that is written in this book will settle on him. And the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. So it's referring back to what we read in the previous chapters about the blessings and the curses. Um, Blessings if they're obedient. Curses if they're disobedient, unfaithful. And also, um, well, it'll probably get into it in this chapter. So I'll just save that part. Um, it's a warning to the people that if they're unfaithful, the Lord will get jealous and turn on them. And we read again and again where that's happened, where the people get sassy and the Lord massacres them, like literally wipes out thousands of them for something they said or something they did. that seems slight by reading it, but it apparently ticked the Lord off enough to go ahead and wipe out masses of them verse 21 and the lord would separate him from all the tribes of israel for adversity according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law so now it's being referred to as a book of the law not just the ten commandments but the book of the law so all the other things that have been tacked on to the ten commandments that the people are supposed to be still observing Even though it keeps shifting, again, it keeps shifting, but the people are supposed to still be faithful to observing and following it. And they have the religious leaders to help them keep them in line as to when they fall short. Because when they fall short, then they have to pay a fine, generally speaking. And the fine goes to the religion. Who would have thought it? Um, But they're being warned that when they do fall away from what it is they're supposed to be doing, um, those curses will fall on them and they'll be ended up end up being separated from their people excommunicated from uh the rest of the congregation verse 22 said the coming generation of your children who rise up after you and the foreigner who comes from a far land would say when they see the plagues of that of that land and the sickness which the Lord has laid on it so they're being warned that if they're not faithful to what it is they're being commanded to do in future generations their own children and also foreigners who end up who end up witnessing what happens whether by joining them or in some cases conquering and enslaving them again or enslaving them would look on them and say, verse 23, The whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is not sown, nor does it bear, nor does any grass grow there, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admah, and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. So the Moses, is, Moses is letting them know that if they're unfaithful, they're going to go down in history the same way Sodom and Gomorrah did. And notice that the, a couple of the other cities are mentioned there that generally get left out of. When people think Sodom and Gomorrah, they think it's just two cities. But it wasn't just two cities according to what's written in the Bible. They're called the cities of the plain. It included Adma, Zeboim, and at least one other city. I can't think of Zoar, I think. I can't quite remember. So I don't want to mislead you. But there were at least five cities of the plain, if I recall. Um, not just Sodom and Gomorrah who were destroyed in that moment and like we've read it's it's destruction even is um, something that gets eaten up or twisted by modern religion and maybe even religion back then to mean something else altogether to turn into an anti-LGBT message even though much worse things besides uh, 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 same sex sex was happening right there and the same-sex sex isn't even mentioned there in that um, narrative. But what is mentioned is drunkenness and incest and um, and um, cowardice. All those things are mentioned, yet not condemned at all by the Lord, quote unquote, back then, or by religion since then. Uh, but instead, the focus gets put on the LGBT. It's it's deceit. It's deceitful and it's dogma and it's what religion does to keep people wrangled into brainwashed thinking and believing whatever it is they're told rather than what it actually says verse 24 all nations would say why has the lord done so to this land what does the heat of this great anger mean so the people they moses is telling them that once they're unfaithful they're going to reap it in the land just like moses i mean just like sodom and gomorrah in the sense that the land's not gonna bear fruit for them anymore. It's gonna be barren, it's gonna be there are gonna be droughts, it's gonna be famine, and then it's gonna be so bad that people are gonna wonder why does it seem like the Lord is lashing out at those people? Verse twenty five, then people would say, Because they've forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. So um the answer to Uh, what people will say in future generations as to why the people are suffering so will be, according to Moses, people are going to answer and say it's because they've been unfaithful to the deity that guided them from from enslavement to the promised land. Verse 26, for they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods that they did not know and that he had not given to them. So the reason for their suffering is going to be attributed to, according to Moses, uh, their unfaithfulness to the religion and their uh, choice to take up other religions. That's what the other gods is referring to, the different religions that other people practice around them. Verse 27, And the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. So, Hopefully that doesn't bring curse on this land, Um, just reading that. But what's being said there is that that's why the curse, the curses, the suffering is occurring to the people because they've been unfaithful to the religion, to the Lord. And so in their unfaithfulness, they're paying for it with um, the curses coming about against them. Verse 28 And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger, in wrath, and in great indignation, and cast them into another land, as it is this day. And that right there, that as it is this day, says it very clearly that this isn't contemporary. It isn't a, an account that's being written um, by Moses at the time it's happening. Instead, it's someone looking back, or someone or some entity, some people someone, probably religion, looking back on what happened to the people as they exited uh, slavery in Egypt and made it to this point. And you know that because it says, as it is this day, the people weren't um, cast into another uh, land at that point. The people hadn't suffered any, uh, uh, well, they had suffered some wrath and uh, lashing out of the Lord uh, again and again during those 40 years. But as it says, as it is this day, that means that to me, that means someone at some later point, probably during the Babylonian captivity or maybe the Assyrian captivity, look back on the, the, the origin stories, these first five books, look back on the stories of what happened to the people as they left Africa, as they exited Egypt and then wrote these things that, oh, as it is this day, that that's why the people are suffering now because they were unfaithful to the different commandments that were given to them then. That as it is this day tells it all. It let makes it very, very clear that it wasn't written at the time that Moses actually said it, but at some other later point, almost certainly during one of those captivities. Verse 29, otherwise it would say, um, it would say, and the Lord uprooted them and their, from their land in anger and wrath, or it would say and the Lord will uproot them. It would speak um, futuristically because it hadn't happened yet. But since it's saying as it is this day, that means that whoever wrote it at this point, at that point, at this point in the narrative, whoever wrote it is looking back on the fact that the people went through some sort of um, uh, wrath and are experiencing that captivity and the Realization and manifestation of those curses falling on them for their unfaithfulness. That, as it is this day, says it all. Verse 29 The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So, it's closing out this chapter with telling the people to reflect back on what's happened since they were emancipated from slavery and the different paths they took in being unfaithful that ended up causing them to be taken captive by other nations at a a future time and again it's written in a way that says that whoever is writing it is telling the story retrospectively not contemporaneously as it's happening Um, but the story in this chapter in the story ends with this verse so that's where we'll end this reading As always, I appreciate you reading along with me and hope you'll join me again for The Naked Truth. I hope you stay safe. I love you and appreciate you reading along with me. God bless you and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.